healthy communities are better for business. They're better for uh, those that are living in the communities. It's better for economic stability. Uh, folks are, are able to grow and develop and really reinvest in their own communities if they're healthy. If we're going to change the way America eats, and that's what we talk about at Kroger, we, we, we have to lead around making sure that we have a variety of foods in our stores that represent an adequate format of foods that make sense for uh, Americans to purchase at the right price. You are listening to the Health Disparities Podcast, a program of Movement is Life being recorded live and in person at Movement is Life's annual Health Equity Summit. Our theme this year is bridging the health equity gap in vulnerable communities. And as always, we are convening with a wonderful community of participants, workshop leaders, and speakers. I'm Dr. Mary O'Connor, Chair of the Movement is Life Board of Directors, and I'm delighted to be joined by our guest today, Dr. Mark Watkins. Dr. Watkins is a graduate of Meharry Medical College with both an MD and an MSPH, which is a Master's of Science in Public Health, and was a senior medical officer in the U.S. Navy, a medical director with Concentra Medical Centers, where he rose to become national medical director. He was chief medical officer with the Little Clinic, where he oversaw 215 clinics, so I might say, Dr. Watkins, that might not be so little, a clinic system. And five years ago, he became chief medical officer with Kroger Health. So welcome, Dr. Mark Watkins, to the Health Disparities Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So Dr. Watkins, can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to share with us um, tomorrow when you give your presentation to the summit? I'd be delighted. And, and one of the things that, uh, you know, again, thank you so much for the opportunity to be part of the, the summit and, and be part of this uh, uh, time with you this afternoon. One of the things that I really want to get across is understanding how impactful food can be to, to one's overall health and how often it's, 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 it's kind of an afterthought, right? You know, uh, sometimes it's uh, disease sets in and then we bring up how important it is to have a, a healthy diet. But what we've been finding, and especially with our journey around uh, food as medicine, which started uh, more than 15, 15 years ago at Kroger, uh, we, we believe food as medicine is a dedicated, educated, and personalized approach to eating and enjoying food uh, to promote healthier lives and help prevent illness before it starts. So thinking about it as a preventive measure, and, and, and my background in preventive, me uh, preventive medicine as well as in public health, sort of disease prevention is, is, is really Im important, not only to me professionally, but uh, at least uh, to what we're thinking about at the Kroger Co. Uh, Kroger Health is really thinking about how do we have healthy communities, because healthy communities are really important to the fabric of, 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 of America. And we believe that having healthy communities promote uh, economic stability. And we're going to talk a little bit about how economic destability uh, create some of these health inequities. We've heard that this morning uh, from from one of your presenters, and, and how how that creates uh, a cycle that is just vicious in terms of creating these health disparities. So tomorrow we'll unpack how food can be a really important tool in the toolbox 
to uh, prevent disease, but also improve health if there's disease present. I think that most of our listeners on the Health Disparities Podcast already appreciate uh, how important food security is. And so before we go down that, that road a little bit, I'm really interested in how the leadership at Kroger and Kroger Health came to embrace this. Because like you are our vanguards, leaders in this area. I don't honestly know another, I'll say major food corporation that is doing the work that you're doing on food as medicine and bringing into that concept the promotion of health equity and addressing food insecurity. So like how did this big corporation come to see the opportunity, which I'm sure is also a business opportunity, but a business opportunity that is actually going to serve the needs of the community that the business is privileged to be located in? Well, I, I think you're right. And I, I think there's also, uh, as a 140-year-old grocer, you know, we've been around since 1883, right? So uh, we've been part of communities for, for uh, almost 140 years, right? So uh, it, it's sort of in our DNA and food is, is our core competency. And so as we think about, you know, food and food at scale to communities, it was incredibly um, easy for our CEO and chairman, Rodney McMullen, to get behind this. So as we began to put uh, literature and data together about the impacts of food, and let me just clear this up, it became clear to him that, that there were two things running in parallel here. As we launched from our Kruger Foundation, Zero Hunger and Zero Waste, we realized that when we started, about one in seven uh, Americans were going to bed hungry every night. Uh, even during uh, this time of the past uh, uh, eight, 10 years since we've been in this program, since 2017, one, pardon me. I'm sorry. One out of seven. One out of seven going to bed hungry. That's actually, unfortunately, Mary, gone to one to eight, right? So it's actually gone in the wrong direction. And that's despite many of the efforts we've done to address food insecurity, right? So, so since the launch of our uh, Zero Hunger, Zero Waste program and, and the impact plan in 2017, Kruger has given... Uh, more than $1.3 billion uh, and donated uh, more than $3 billion uh, in direct meals uh, for hunger relief, which, if you think about it, really includes about 582 uh, million pounds of surplus fresh food to our food bank partners and others in communities that we serve. So we recognize there's still more to do. But as we've gone down that parallel road to address things like food insecurity, which, which means you don't have enough to eat, and then thinking about nutrition security with the impact of disease, especially chronic disease, we recognize that many Americans don't have the right foods to eat. So, so how do we uh, get on that journey? And so, as I mentioned, our, our president, Colleen Linholtz at, at Kroger Health, as well as our CEO of Kroger, uh, Roddy McMullen, really was instrumental in understanding that healthy communities are better for business. They're better for uh, those that are living in the communities. It's better for economic stability. Uh, folks are, are able to grow and develop and really reinvest in their own communities if they're healthy. And if they're not healthy, it's just really difficult for them to be engaged in that. They don't do as well in school. They don't uh, uh, sometimes have a trouble. And we know that children that are uh, uh, dealing with uh, insecurity around food struggle um, 
uh, uh, sometimes in school. And so we recognize that that's an important contribution. And then really level setting on how do we really, if we're going to change the way America eats, and that's what we talk about at Kroger, we, 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 we have to lead around making sure that we have uh, a, a variety of foods in our stores that represent uh, an adequate, surp, uh, adequate um, format of foods that makes sense for uh, Americans to purchase at the right price. So I know our listeners would be so interested in learning about some of the ways that you've leveraged technology to help uh, consumers make healthier choices. Well, that's a great question, and right. So, it, it, you know, technology is advancing so rapidly, right? So, I, I was reading something just recently. In the next ten years, we'll have you know more technology than we've had in the last fifty to a hundred years. So, it's it's moving pretty quickly, but that can be overwhelming. So, we really really want to make things simple for the consumer, and what we want to do is to give them opportunities to engage at their own pace. And so, we've created a, a opt up nutrition scoring system that rates our food uh, from from 1 to 100. And, and uh, Dr. Collins, what's, what's really cool about it is that it's, it's color-coded. Red, yellow, green. And opt-up means we want to move you from things that are in the red to yellow and things that are in yellow to green. And we know that we can't get you, you know, particularly from, say, potato chips all the way to kale chips. But, but how do I perhaps if a chip, uh, like a potato chip, which the dietitians remind me, uh, it, it really has three ingredients, potatoes, oil, and salt. Um, but we know that it's, it's fried. And, you know, how do we maybe get you a format that uh, moves you maybe from red into yellow that is maybe baked, has a lower sodium format, right? Um, so it has fewer calories. And could that be healthier for you? And the way that we organize uh, the scoring system, which provides a longitudinal purchase history, uh, and scores the food, and so we get some dynamic scoring happening over time based on your purchases. So we know that um, uh, we want uh, less than 10% of your basket to be in the red, and we want 40% to be yellow, and then the rest, 50% or more, to be green. And we know that uh, based on some of the studies that we've done internally, that uh, a healthy score is about 610 for a family. Uh, so we've we had a small uh, study uh, that showed uh, tight glycemic control when compared to uh, what A1Cs would look like over time. Those who had uh, higher scores had uh, better A1Cs uh, during that period in time. And so just for our listeners that may not be familiar with some of those terms, that's for people who have diabetes. Correct. And the A1C is a blood test that reflects how well their blood sugar has been controlled. Because we know if somebody who's diabetic has blood sugars that are not well controlled, it affects their kidneys and their vision and all kinds of negative health consequences for poor blood sugar control. Yeah, and thanks for the reminder. And that's really important. And, and, and that is a, a kind of a, uh, as I mentioned, the term longitudinal, but it's, it's a record of about 90 days of how tight your blood sugar was controlled during that time. So it's a look back about 90 days. So it tells you uh, how well your blood sugar has been controlled. So you're absolutely right, Dr. Hall. It, it's, it's impactful. And the experience that you've been able to, uh, to demonstrate longitudinally shows, sh share with the listeners what that has shown. And there's a couple of things there, right? Because, you know, over time, you know, behavior change is hard, right? And, it is and hard. It we is hard. It's hard. And, but um, uh, part of this also is 
helping people make the right choice and helping them understand, um, and, I'll, and I'll get to where the other um, technology play uh, happens here, but making the right choice the easy choice. Uh, what, what happens for us and, and happens for most consumers, they, they get busy, right? You think about all of our busy days, uh, your staff, your teams, right? Your, your uh, what is, uh, uh, you know, one of my nephews says, rip it and run it all day. <laughs> and then you, you, you want to uh, make a, a good choice. One of the things that we, we are really proud of is that you're able to use your mobile phone, use your smartphone, scan the back of a QR code or one of the labels in our stores, and you get a profile about what that food is. And the nice thing about it is you can begin to tag that food based on your preferences. So if you're, you're vegan, you're vegetarian, you're looking for a, uh, a, a heart healthy type of diet, you can actually label the foods in a way that you know, hey, this is right for me, maybe not so, not so right. And then you're understanding what that score looks like over time. Uh, the, the next thing that, that we found to be pretty pretty influential and, and, and we've had a lot of thought about this is how do we then place our products on the shelves uh, where folks can have choices but not necessarily have to make big leaps to find the healthier product, right? So you're making it easier for me to make a small change. Right. And then maybe, you know, you can scan it on your phone you know, if you're shopping in, in, in the digital space uh, for you able to see those scores. And then uh, we, we do something we call intelligent nudging. So there's some nudging that happens. So if you're looking at that potato chip, and that's just one example, Mary, <laughs> you're looking at a potato chip, right below, it'll scroll across and it'll say, uh, other shoppers like you have also purchased and up will pop a healthier variety, right? Uh, maybe it's a vegetable chip. Maybe again, as I mentioned, it's something like a, a baked rather than a fried or lower sodium, lower reduced fat. So those are those are options of this. We call that intelligent nudging that uh, is running in the background, leveraged against some of the technology uh, formats that we have to to help with uh, this uh, uh, consumer change. Right. Just slight nudging to to uh, help them uh, make better choices. And And I assume the app is free. This is free, and so it, it's part of every one of our banners across the country, and that's part of the shopping experience, free for, for every consumer. And, and how do you find adoption of use of the app to be? In other words, I would think that, um, that more educated shoppers may be more comfortable uh, using an app and shoppers who are less formally educated may or may be less, this could all be my bias, but they may be they're less comfortable using an app, less comfortable as a general statement with technology. So some of the people that in particular healthy shopping would benefit, meaning patients who tend to be of lower socioeconomic status tend to have more health disparities, Correct. tend to be more overweight, obese, less mobile, hypertensive, diabetic, et cetera. So, I mean, how the, that population, which is the, the really important population to support in terms of behavior change, how do you get them to adopt use of the technology, meaning the app? So as they opt in to be a, a loyal customer with us, and, and it's really about trust at the, at the end of the day. It's about trust. So once they opt in and they become... Um, you know, part of, of our trusted Kroger family and, and 
and, and we're there to support them through their journey. A lot of the uh, information is collected passively, so they're not entering anything in. So this all happens at the point of purchase. So as they're checking out, uh, there's a, a, um, their purchases are memorialized. Nice. The, the, okay. the technology's tracking. Uh, and then uh, if you've ever been in any of our stores, uh, we'll ask you for your loyalty number or your Kroger number. And, and that's as you've opted in because we want to be able to personalize things to meet you where you are around your shopping journey. And so that means as we collect this data, right, your purchase data, we know a little bit more about you. And collecting that doesn't mean that there's anything else for you to do. There's not another app for you to open. If you're on our Kroger banner, uh, if you're on our platform, which is our website, any of our native apps, this is already loaded. It's, it's nothing else you need to do. You can just simply press Nutrition Insights and your score pops up. And, and then those insights would also lead me to options of healthier choices, correct? Correct, right, because uh, as I mentioned, within this, uh, the, the technology, the way that it's set up, it's color-coded. Um, you I, can, I do like the simplicity. Right, right, right. Green is go. That's right. Red is stop. Yellow is in between. That's right. And I, I used to say that that that's it's almost sailor proof from my Navy days, right? You, you, red means stop. And, and so it doesn't mean that um, you, you can't ever have anything in the red, right? We just don't want that to be the primary bulk of your basket when you shop, right? It, 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 we don't want it. Less than 10% means you can have, uh, you know, uh, uh, a chips and, and maybe the sweet, but you, that can't be, we don't sin, want that to be everything. Food. My right, mother would right. use the term sin food. Yeah. And, and then let me just be clear that we, we don't want to demonize any foods. <laughs> at, uh, but but, but by, because I, I think that um, sends potentially the wrong message. And, and the message we want to help folks go is that those foods uh, should be in moderation, right? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Of course, what we're trying to do is, is nudge people to right. make some healthier choices because we know that's going to impact their health now and the likelihood of longer-term chronic health problems. Right. You know, one of the things that uh, with our research we found, and, and it's, it's in conjunction with uh, some of our um, affiliated uh, academic medical centers that have worked closely to try to validate our food as medicine approach, um, we, we found that uh, Poor nutrition is the key risk factor for um, four main chronic diseases. And I think the, the first three will, will make a lot of sense to, to your listeners. Um, obesity. Absolutely. Heart disease. Um, type 2 diabetes. But I think the one that actually gets them the most is that uh, uh, obesity and poor nutrition is linked to uh, 13 different cancer types. And those are the 40% of those are, are the most, um, which accounts for 40% of all cancers in the United States. So uh, we also know at this point that uh, obesity now has replaced smoking as the number one modifiable risk factor for these 13 uh, cancer types. So this isn't just about these diseases that uh, we historically have talked about. And the primary ones that I'm, I'm mentioning, and, and, and uh, you as a physician can uh, understand this uh, implicitly, you know, uh, things like um, colon cancer, breast cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer. These are, uh, you know, really have a tight correlation between uh, your um, 
your weight, especially if you're obese, you're at higher risk for this. And then uh, it also impacts your ability to recover if you do have uh, uh, these, uh, these cancers if you're overweight and obese. So we understand that this is a, a huge impact and um, these, these are driving most of the costs that we see uh, in the country when it comes to what we spend in, in healthcare. And so we understand that uh, you know, proper nutrition, especially uh, uh, when we come to things like uh, uh, nutrition security uh, needs to be addressed a bit more as we move forward. You know, um, Dr. Watkins, one of the, the facts that I always found so interesting um, and, and almost sad is that so many people who are overweight, you would think that they had adequate nutrition, but a lot of overweight people are actually malnourished. So when you look at their profiles, and as a surgeon, this was particularly important because if somebody is malnourished, regardless of their weight, their risk of not healing their wound after surgery goes up much higher, which then increases the risk of an infection. So it, it isn't that you can just look at somebody and know for sure that their nutritional status is actually okay. Right. And, and what you're calling out is that... Um Many uh, obese uh, folks are, are in a perpetual state of uh, metabolic dysregulation. That creates um, some of the things that you're describing around poor wound healing, this persistent state of inflammation. Um, actually, some may even have nutritional deficits even being, um, and I'm talking about some of the mi uh, micronutrients. Correct. Uh, they, they, they actually may have that despite uh, being over their uh, body mass index. Uh, but as as we think about how we can uh, help uh, as uh, the nation's largest traditional grocer. It's around providing access, really providing information, education, ease of use to make sure that uh, folks and our shoppers have access to healthy, nutritious foods now and moving forward. I think I also want to add, while we're talking about um, health disparities and potentially marginalized communities. We worked very diligently with the USDA leading up to uh, this October by uh, 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 creating an opportunity for uh, EBT and SNAP benefits to be used for delivery and a pickup in our stores. So back to that um, question that we had about technology, that uh, that, that whole uh, digital uh, ecosystem, as someone is shopping, uh, we have tagged uh, uh, in all of our banner stores, and we call all of our banners around the country, our different uh, divisions, they, they come the Kroger banner. Um, uh, whether you're uh, on the East Coast with Harris Teeter, out on the West Coast with Fred Meyer or, or, or Fry's, you'll be able to see on our, in our uh, digital ecosystem uh, tags around EBT and SNAP. And now those are available for pickup and delivery. That may be ability to ease some of the headwinds that face uh, those communities that uh, may not have a traditional grocery store in their neighborhoods. So they can come and pick it up or they can have it delivered. Now, it, it's not going to replace having the convenience of a grocery store in the neighborhood, but it's a step in the direction to get them uh, uh, access to uh, healthy, nutritious foods that have a covered benefit uh, that could be uh, easy for them to to pick up. That food is also scored with our opt-up scoring system. So they'll know right away that if that fits their profile and they can also personalize that. As you know, uh, there are, you know, 20 to 40% of all SNAP benefits go unused. 
and so as clinicians are thinking about ways to help with you know, healthier items and selections, having the clinical teams be able to understand that, hey, um, uh, this family can benefit from uh, this healthy food and it's available for delivery and pickup. So Dr. Watkins, this is just an amazing program. And tell me, if I'm a shopper and I am improving my per my healthy purchasing history, uh, is do I get some recognition of that from Kroger? And so we're working through programs that, that address, and I think what you're talking about, the, the gamification yes, of, exactly. of, of, of how that would work to incentivize uh, the behaviors, what, what begins to happen. And, and I believe one of the you know, offline questions that we have is, is how are we weaving in our consumer packaged goods and, and suppliers of food into what we're doing? And so that, that becomes part of the, the whole uh, uh, personalization of, of what we are then providing to our customers through couponing, discounting, encouraging that behavior. So if, if you are seeing uh, within our data uh, uh, capture that uh, Mrs. Jones, and I use her a lot as an example, Mrs. Jones now you know, is, is moving more towards yellow and, and, and green items in her opt-up scoring, we want to incentivize that behavior through that kind of personalization for things like discounting and couponing. And so that, that then follows through. So we use a lot of uh, what we call Kroger precision marketing, and, and that is a way to further personalized messaging to Mrs. Jones that's very unique to her shopping habits and her family's shopping habits in order to keep uh, uh, her engaged with, with us. And many retailers do similar types of things, but, but we believe that uh, uh, this is uh, one of the best-in-class opportunities to continue to engage with customers uh, over time. Speaking of best-in-class, I know that your team was invited to the White House for a conference, probably, what, 2021, maybe? C correct. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. And so we were very fortunate to be one of the, the, the few retailers uh, uh, that were part of this White House Conference on Hunger, Nutrition, and Health aimed at ending hunger and increasing healthy eating and physical activity. And so some of the things that we committed to the administration in the White House uh, was uh, to continue to mobilize about $250 million alongside Rockefeller Foundation, the American Heart Association, to build out a national food as medicine research initiative to improve the health and well-being of millions of Americans around the country. We believe we wanted to provide opportunities to bring uh, food research and the science front and foremost so that clinicians can make better decisions about how they inform their patients. And we want to do that with the, with the eye of reducing the total cost of care in, in, in America. And I think uh, one of the things that we, you know, we initially began to talk about is, is that we spend way too much on health care, right? We can argue that. I think we all agree 4. with that. $4.1 trillion to $4.2 trillion. It's I think crazy. the uh, Congressional Business Office claims it could be even more. Um, we're, we're sicker than we've ever been in this country. There's six out of 10 Americans have a chronic disease you know, four out of 10 have more than, more than two, right? So that, that is a tremendous amount of, of, of disease in the country. And, and there's an analysis by the American Action Forum that uh, says that um, uh, those four nutrition-related chronic diseases that I mentioned, chronic, uh, obesity, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and cancer, among 18 to 64-year-olds, 
the key here is 18 to 64 year olds. Working. That's working. Working adults. Working adults. Uh, uh, really, it, it accounted for about $16 trillion from 2011 to 2020. That's a lot of money. Yeah, and that's really after accounting for direct health care costs, loss of productivity and wages, right? Uh, so these folks become unproductive. They're unable to work um, as long. They're not productive as work. They're costing the system lots of money. So whether it's employers, um, uh, that's just a huge drain. So we believe that... Uh, uh, and Mark, let me just... I want to highlight for the listeners, you know, these numbers that Dr. Watkins just shared are direct costs, but there's a huge um, amount of indirect cost for every one of those individuals that is disabled, not working. There is family members that have to support this person. There's loss of productivity for the family member because of their need to support the individual. So there's, there's a ripple effect that happens that is really extensive. Yeah, and I, I think one of your speakers this morning, Dr. Joe Greer, he, he mentioned that this, this, this then creates this vicious cycle of, of you, you are, are just almost spinning, uh, that, that you can't get yourself out of the cycle of poverty. You can't get yourself uh, away from uh, some of these uh, health um, inequities that continue to happen. Uh, it becomes harder and harder when many members of the family now are, are out of the workforce because of poor health. All right. I want to bring our, our podcast recording to a bit of a close and ask you one more question. What are some priorities that you will be setting next year for Kroger Health uh, to help address health disparities even more so than you're doing now? And I, I think, uh, and that's a great question, and I think uh, really doubling down on the good work that we've been doing in, in 2023 and carrying that forward to 2024, especially around uh, our, our continued funding of our research initiative uh, to improve health and, and well-being with uh, the Rockefeller Center, AHA, uh, American Heart Association, and others. We want to continue to invest in, in uh, amplifying our message around um, food as medicine, and then also uh, really begin to uh, change the narrative that um, food as medicine, especially addressing nu nutrition security, is really uh, for all communities. Uh, we can uplift all communities by, by having those communities be healthy. It's the right thing to do. Uh, it's also good for America. Um, you know, while we were talking at dinner last night, it, it's clear that um, one of our messages is, is that Kroger is, is, is committed to uh, delivering uh, a, a value for consumers, but also doing the right thing when it comes to uh, healthier formats uh, of foods across our banners in the United States. Well, I grew up with a Kroger grocery store, so I always have an extra soft spot for Kroger in my I heart. appreciate that soft spot. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, that brings us to an end of another episode of the Health Disparities Podcast. Very grateful. Dr. Mark Watkins, Chief Medical Officer of Kroger Health, joining us today. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us on America's Leading Health Equity Podcast. Until next time, be safe and be well. <laughs>